0: you're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast For more about us please visit southbaychurch.us good morning church uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday um, I'm not sure about you guys who you're rooting for whether it's the Kansas City Chiefs or the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers but okay. uh, for my family we're kind of split my uh, wife's parents live in Tampa Bay so they're obviously rooting for the bucks and my son has been told on several different occasions that he looks like Patrick Mahomes, so oh, he's rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I really don't care who wins. I just want it to be a close game so that we could actually enjoy the Super Bowl. So hopefully you guys have uh, got your stuff all set and you're ready to go. Um, so I'm going to be doing the lesson this morning. We're going to be talking about um, our Lord and King, um, who is Jesus. Um, whoops. Where'd it go? First slide. Not there. That's okay. All right. Um, So as we try to figure out who is Jesus, um, it's helpful for us to look back and see how he was viewed uh, by the guys that were closest to him, his own disciples. So let's go ahead and look at uh, some of the names that Jesus was called um, by his disciples. So we have uh, in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, it says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Mark 9, chapter 5, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Uh, In Matthew, chapter 14, verse 27, 28, it says, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. So, What we should do now is we should define these names by which Jesus was addressed because the different names come with different viewpoints, obviously. So if we look at the dictionary definitions, we have teacher, uh, who Jesus was often called by a lot of different people. That's one that teaches, especially one whose occupation is to instruct. This is obviously one that we're familiar with. All of our kids have teachers. We had teachers growing up, so we understand the concept of a teacher. Uh, Rabbi. This is a Jew trained and ordained for professional religious leadership. Uh, In today's terminology, that would be similar to a preacher or minister. Uh, For those of us um, in the South Bay, that would be someone like Steve Marici. And then finally, we have Lord. One having power and authority over others, a ruler by hereditary right or preeminence to whom service and obedience are due. This one is a little less familiar for us and a lot more challenging. Mm. Uh, so which one is Jesus, right? That's what we've got to figure out. Which one is he to us? Um, so if we look at the dictionary defin- of definition of Jesus, maybe that'll help. So the dictionary defines Jesus as the Jewish religious teacher whose life, death, and resurrection, as reported by the evangelists, are the basis of the Christian message and salvation. That doesn't really help much. It doesn't really tell us much about Jesus. Um, so what we need to do is we need to take a look at the Bible and look at how... He was viewed by different people and how those viewpoints caused them to respond to him. So if we turn to Mark chapter 10, uh, we're going to read verses 17 through 22. And my first point is, do you really know him? So let's look at the scripture. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he said. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus replied, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor Then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. So let's go ahead and break this scripture down and look at the different components of it. So first point is, as Jesus started on his way, it says a man ran up to him. Well, he wasn't following Jesus. He wasn't in the crowd. Um, He didn't emerge from the crowd. So where did he come from? How did he know where Jesus was gonna be? How did he hear about jesus what did he understand about who jesus was all good questions and we don't have those answers to the questions unfortunately but let's keep looking Um, he addresses jesus as good teacher and he says what must i do to inherit eternal life jesus responds to him why do you call me good jesus answered no one is good except god alone that's an interesting question and statement why do you call me good And then he followed that up with, No one is good but God alone. So, how would we respond if Jesus asked us that question? Why do you call me good? It's interesting. Let's take a look at John chapter 1 and break down who Jesus is and how we should respond to that question. In John 1, verses 1 through 2, and verse 14, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. So it says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So we can understand that John here is talking about Jesus as the word. So we can make an equation that Jesus equals the word. So being that, being that case, we can go ahead and substitute in this verse, when we see the word, we'll substitute it for Jesus. So let's look at the scripture again with that substitution. So it says, in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we see here it says that Jesus was God. So if Jesus was God... And the guy addressed Jesus as good teacher, and Jesus said, no one is good but God alone. Well, he was right in calling Jesus good then, because Jesus was God. So then why did Jesus tell him that no one was good but God alone in response to his statement? Let's figure that out. So after the man tells Jesus all the good things he's done, Jesus says he still lacks one thing. And then he tells him to sell everything, give to the poor, and then he'll have treasure in heaven. And at that, the man decides to walk away. And it says he walked away sad. So what was the one thing that he lacked? I've heard a lot of people say that it was the willingness to give up his stuff because he was rich. And that's why he, he, he walked away sad, because he didn't want to give up his stuff. But I don't think that was the case. I think when we look at Jesus saying to the man, you lack one thing, don't call me good, because only God is good. I think if he asked us that of us, we would say, well, you are God. So of course I can call you good. I think the point that Jesus was making to the rich young man is you don't know who I am because the man ran up to him out of the crowd. It's not, it didn't say he was following him. So he wasn't a disciple. So the guy didn't know who Jesus was. So of course he wouldn't sell his stuff, right? Imagine that scenario. Imagine if you're walking down the street and some guy comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? Here's what you need to do. You need to sell all of your stuff and move to North Dakota. Would you? Probably not. I know I wouldn't. But imagine the same scenario. What if heaven opened up and Jesus came down from the sky, his face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as the light, and he said, go sell everything you have and move to North Dakota. Would you then? Probably. Because you would understand, wow, this is Jesus. He's the Son of God. Of course I'm going to do what he tells me to do. So I believe it was this understanding that Jesus was not just a teacher with some good, good things to say, but in fact, the Lord that the rich young man was lacking. And so we need to ask ourselves if we're in the same boat, how do we view Jesus? Do we really know him? Or have we just heard some things about him um, and made some assumptions? A lot of us rely on what we've heard from other people, and we don't actually know Jesus ourselves. So when we're confronted with difficult teachings, we choose not to obey and walk away just like the rich young man. All right, point number two. Jesus is greater than you. We've all seen those signs, right? He is greater than I. I always thought that was hecky for for a while, but I didn't realize it was he is greater than I. But in this case, Jesus is greater than you. That's point number two. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. So it says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus heard that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I've looked at the scripture and I've always thought that this man was kind of dismissive as he was talking to Jesus. Um, First, he quizzes him by saying, well, which is the greatest commandment? And then he gives approval to Jesus' answer. Wow, well said, good job, good answer. And I always thought, like, how dare you talk to the Son of God like that? Do you not realize who he is? Right? But when you look at the interaction closely, it says that the guy was the teacher of the law. And he addresses Jesus as a teacher. So possibly in his mind, this was just two teachers having a conversation and debating about God and his word. Um, so from that perspective, you go, okay, well, maybe the guy wasn't being dismissive, but maybe he didn't really understand who Jesus was. So then you look at Jesus' response to him where he says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. So why is that? Why was this guy not far from the kingdom of God? He seemed to have a thorough understanding of the scriptures. Um, and like the previous man, though, he didn't realize who Jesus was. He addressed him as teacher, not Lord. So even though he was a good guy, and he knew the scriptures, he was still missing the most important concept, which is that Jesus is Lord, not just a teacher. And I believe that's what left them on the outside of the kingdom looking in, was his concept that Jesus is Lord. Now, I know for me personally, I can fall into this trap. I love looking at the Bible. I love breaking it apart. I love looking at the scriptures. But sometimes I can take a scholarly approach to my Bible study. And I can see Jesus' teachings as good ideas and not necessarily commands that I need to follow. Um, I can rely on the sentiment of, I'm a good guy. I don't do bad things. And sometimes I feel like that's enough. But I don't really address my heart issues, um, the deep-seated character stuff that, that I need to take care of. Sometimes I feel like it's not that big of a deal because nobody else sees it but me. Not realizing that God sees it and He wants me to take care of those things because He wants me to ultimately be a better person. Um, it's hard for me to be open and confess my sins to other people because uh, I can get caught up worrying about what people see and what people think more than worrying about what God cares about or what God desires. And this thinking usually causes me to make choices that lead me further away from God instead of making the choices that lead me to him. So we got to be careful in how we view ourselves and how we view Jesus because at the end of the day, Jesus is greater than us. Um, All right, point number three. I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to love this one. The fast food mentality. I want it my way and I want it now. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verses 20 to 25. It says, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. And while they were eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely not I, Lord, Jesus. So Jesus replied, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the son of man it would be better for him if he had not been born Then Judas the one who would betray him said surely not I Rabbi Jesus answered yes it is you Notice the difference in Judas's response He calls Jesus Rabbi while the others called him Lord Why is that significant I personally think that Judas saw Jesus as the Messiah who was going to come and overthrow the Romans. He was going to lead the Jews in a revolt against the Romans, and he saw him as a leader, a warrior. And so because of that, I felt like Judas was being impatient. He'd spent the better part of three years with Jesus, and I think this whole time he was waiting and waiting. When are we going to do it? When are we going to go to war? When are we going to go to battle? Um, and he got, he got impatient. He got sick of waiting. And I think that he turned Jesus in because he wanted to get the fight started now. I think he figured, if I get Jesus in this position where they're going to arrest him, he has to fight back, right? Um, But that didn't happen, and he was filled with, with remorse. Look at Matthew chapter 27, verse 3. It said, when Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. So, I feel like we too can see Jesus this way. We can see him as a rabbi or a minister who provides religious leadership, but we get to a point where if he's not working in our lives the way that we want or the way that we feel like, we can get impatient and just run ahead and do things on our own and make our own decisions. But as you see with Judas and the way that his life worked out, this can have terrible consequences. So we have to understand that the, the Bible and Jesus, it's not this fast food mentality. We can't have it our way. We've got to do it his way. All right, point number four. Jesus is Lord. I'll say it again. Jesus is Lord. Let's look at Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Saul had a strong desire to serve God. He was doing what he believed was right, and he believed he was honoring God in his actions all along. Um, But when he was persecuting Jesus' disciples, even though he was wrong, he had a right heart about it. He was trying to serve God in this because he saw Jesus as a teacher, a rabbi. But Saul understood the concept of Lord and he was willing to follow the Lord regardless of what that meant. So when he was spoken to from the light, Saul immediately knew that it was the Lord speaking to him. But what he didn't understand is that it was Jesus who was Lord who was speaking to him. So once he understood that Jesus was Lord, he drastically changed everything about him and everything in his life. Let's look at Acts a little further in Acts chapter nine, verse 19. It says, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners of the chief priests? So Paul was convinced he was doing the right thing, but once Jesus pointed out to him that he was not obeying God, he immediately changed his course. And if Jesus truly is our Lord, then we will be obedient to his commands as they're written, Mm -hmm. not just when it's convenient for us, but at all times. Many people in Christian churches see Jesus as a good teacher or a rabbi, but they don't focus on the fact that he is their Lord. Mm -hmm. We need to make sure that we view Jesus this way. That when we approach the Bible, when we approach his, his teachings, that we do everything our can to make that we do everything we can to make our lives match that claim that Jesus is Lord. Because the last thing we want to have happen is this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evil doers. These people thought they were doing the right things all along. But they weren't. They were missing it. Jesus is saying, I never knew you because you weren't willing to follow me as it was written. You didn't see me as Lord. So we have to ask ourselves, which of these guys are we like? Are we like the rich young man who really didn't know Jesus and wasn't willing to obey his teachings and he walked away sad because he didn't like what he heard? Are we like the teacher of the law? where we put ourselves on equal footing with Jesus and our desires are just as important as his teachings. So if there's a need to deal with the character issue or sins of the heart, we don't do it. Do we feel like we just need to look good, act good, say some spiritual things from time to time? Are we like Judas? I know none of you want to hear that, but are we like Judas? You don't have to wait on God's timing. You can push to make it happen when and how you want. Or finally, are we like, Paul, do we accept that Jesus is Lord and we're committed to obey his his commands no matter what? Because we want ultimately to have that relationship with God because we want to be right and we want to ultimately get to heaven. So as you think through who you are, remember that, yes, Jesus was a teacher. And yes, Jesus was a rabbi. But more importantly than that, Jesus was and is our Lord and Savior and ultimately the king of kings. So let's go ahead and transition into communion. And we're going to read one more scripture that kind of talks about this concept as well. This is John chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 5. It says, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Did you see it? He said, you call me Lord or teacher and Lord, which is what we do, right? But he changed the the order. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you must do what I have done. So Jesus is our Lord and teacher. And not only was he willing to wash our feet, but he was willing to die on the cross, to die a horrible death so that we would have an opportunity to have a relationship with him. Um, So let's not take that for granted. Let's not take his actions, his life for granted. Let's remember who he is, how he lived, and how he's calling us to live. So as we take the bread that represents his body and we drink the juice that represents his blood, let's reflect on his sacrifice and the life he lived and the life that he's calling us to live. And let's make sure we do everything we can so that at the end of the day, we see him as the Lord and savior that he truly is. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for this time be able to come and pray to you, God. We thank you for your love for us, your consideration for us. We are grateful that in spite of our flaws, in spite of our sins, that you were willing to sacrifice yourself so that we could have a true relationship with God. We thank you for your body that was broken. God, we thank you for being willing to shed your blood on the cross. We pray that uh, you would help us to see you as you truly are. Help us to recognize you as our Lord and King. Help us to be willing to deny ourselves, to let go of the things that hold us back so that we can truly submit ourselves to you. God, I pray that you help us to be able to move forward. Help us to have a great week. God, help us to keep you close to our hearts in the choices and decisions that we make this week. And God, I pray that uh, you would move in our lives so that we can have lives that inspire others just the way that yours inspired us. We love you. We thank you so much for this time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.